All right, Jeremy, what's on tap today? Moral orcas, illegals, violence, and billionaires in Chicago. What do you have? I have the real story behind the so-called New York City bike, Karen. The real, real story. I have a very lucky abortion. And you've heard Mm. of mermaids? Well, I have mermen. It's Pride Month, everybody. Okay, people. Let's begin. Get up, everybody! Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good, because you're listening to the Truth Bait Podcast. I'm documentary filmmaker and podcaster Andrew Marcus, and with me always as we deconstruct America's propaganda war and reconstruct America's cultural narrative in our image is documentary filmmaker and podcaster, the one and only Rebel Pundit, Ladies and gentlemen, you know him. I know him. Put your hands together for Jeremy Siegel. Hello. Ooh, that was extra excited applause for you today. Was there like a whistle there that wasn't there before? I did two different. I have two different. There are two different studio audiences. There's this one. And then there's this one. Oh, screams. For when, for when they're very because I wore my, Because I wore my finest attire to my basement studio. <laughs> what, I got I, extra I, screams. I, I, just, I picture you in your beekeeper outfit. That's all I see you in now. <laughs> <laughs> you know how hot I would be down here? <laughs> it's bad enough wearing that thing by the beehives. Uh, no, everybody. Wait, wait. Just, before we do uh, anything, everybody, share the show. Share the show. Rate the show. Please go rate the show. Uh, that's I it. Think works. It, it, it's it's definitely helping. Did do you know if anybody else has rated the show? Have we have we gotten? We ask every time. I haven't checked. No. I haven't checked. I haven't seen. I Either. hope no, they have. I think we're still at 13, lucky 13, <laughs> five out of five. That's why we're going to emphasize this early in the show. We're in the first three minutes. Please go rate the show wherever you are, wherever you're uh, listening to this episode, wherever you down, uh, download your podcasts, rate the show, leave a, a review. Um, it's definitely very helpful. It helps uh, boost us in the algorithms. Right now. Okay. All right. Uh Happy Pride Month, Jeremy. Well, <laughs> happy for you, I guess. I, it's so offensive. It is so. The older I get, the more offensive it is to me. Uh, for Christians, it, that you literally spelled out the seven deadly sins, and they named this thing and boosted it all over the world, uh, uh, rubbing it right in your face. I'm angry for you. There are way more than seven deadly sins, by well, the way. Well, I know, but I'm talking about the big Hollywood publicized ones. Uh, right. Pride, pride's a pretty big one, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't like the doesn't the pride come before? What was that? What does the pride come before? Gosh, I forget. Uh, it's bad. Too much <laughs> sinful pride is not good. Doesn't matter what it comes before or after. 
many yeah, many I don't stories think it comes in the before Bible the about it. Uh, it's I so. think it's it's also I mean it, when you look at everything that people do to celebrate so-called Pride Month, it really is more like Lust Month and Gluttony Month. I would there's an element of that to it, yeah, for it's sure. Vile. Anyway, I don't have very much. I don't have really. I don't it's have anything. Extrav- on that. I mean, it's a lot of things. It's ex- it's extravagance. It's it's uh, it's rebel. It's just yep. it's. It's open rebellion against God. Uh, no question. And Jeremy, from the very same people who after 9-11 said, don't judge Muslims. <laughs> Islam is not a religion of terror. They are doing a full frontal assault on Christianity. Just in your face. And they've co-opted corporate America, who is now arm in arm with them, to just attack Christianity. If you're out there celebrating Pride Month and you don't realize that that is a direct well, attack not, on Christianity, you're not, you're not paying attention. They're not attacking Christianity. Yes, they're just saying Christians are terrorists. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's just criticism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm uh, as a as a agnostic uh, Jew. I'm offended for. Uh, for Christians everywhere. I think it's absolutely horrific. As an American who believes in the Constitution, uh, I, that I uh, am also offended because I agree with, this is a, it, this is not just, uh, it's not just a, uh, a revolution against God, it's also a revolution against our founding and our Constitution. It's subversive. Do you know what I saw? Oh, where are they flying um, the flag above the U.S. flag? Somebody just put that. I think it's in I Arizona. I saw that. It's Arizona capital or something. Do you remember? Oh, man. I can't believe it. It would have been great. Jan Schakowsky. I She's a Marxist, old battle axe congresswoman from Chicago. I ambushed her one time at the parade down in Chicago. Her vehicle for the parade because you know all the politicians line up and go in the front of the parade now her van her jan fan van uh had the pride the rainbow flag over larger and higher on her van and i questioned her about it it was became a viral story um but do you we i didn't did you? We talked about it the other day too, with the stuff at Target and Bud Light and whatever. And we mentioned that guy who Target had hired there, the Satanic, the Satanist guy. Right, he was designing the, their merchandise in their designing pride Satan clothing. Yeah, he. I saw. I saw an article on Gateway about him. Now he has come out and said that the corporations are using this stuff in order to trigger they're putting like this d- displays oh, of this clothing they want people to in, push they, back in order to trigger a, a pushback <laughs> against it so that they have to comply and move it to the back yeah, of the store. Target wanted to shave $20 billion off of its market cap <laughs> just so that they could move the display. 
just so that they could get rid of uh, this type of clothing uh, and this, uh, and so that they could get rid of this agenda once and for all. Uh, yeah, at some point in time, there is going to be an end to the agenda, but I don't think we're there yet. I don't at either. At some point in time, you are going to be on the hit list once the revolution is completed, but I think you're still providing plenty of use to them. Uh, uh, you know, I had a thought occurred to me, though, uh, regarding like the, the Target boycott and the Bud Light boycott. Do you realize that that is actually boycotts are the only unriggable vote left? It's the only vote you have that they can't rig. Or not voting. Uh, that one they can rig. <laughs> the, the corporations cannot hide losing their entire market share. Well, it's well, it is it is actually it's a it, it's the only place you have left to vote. So vote, vote with your feet, vote with your pocketbook. It's the only one they can't rig. Can Bud Light get, can't stuff can, their stuff their stuff your shopping cart like the like the establishment stuffs their ballot boxes. They can still get Jim Cramer to say bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's always he, uh, he. Are there people out there that are just investing against his advice because they must be v- absolutely very well there? Yep, there are the against Jim Cramer funds. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he says, do the opposite. Maybe he's just reverse signaling. Could be he's signaling somebody that that you know. Well, I bought Target stock the other day after our uh, coverage of it because <laughs> we do have that effect. <laughs> I hate to say it. After I, I to say it now, after I told to everybody, to, <laughs> I'm not giving yeah, any financial after advice. After I told to anybody, everybody, but. boycott, go boycott. Everybody, keep boycotting. <laughs> drive the price down. Buy the stock and ride it. You know up. what? It's absolutely true. It would be great if that happened because then all of the new owners of the of the stock would be activist stock owners who would prevent this from ever happening again. Maybe. If all of our listeners did this, we could have the power to make real change. I, I'm not giving financial advice. We don't give financial advice. Like, you know, it would be financial advice, which we don't do, to say, uh, drive the price of Target down, buy it low, and then ride it back up and attend their stockholder meetings. We won't give that kind of advice. So what do you, uh, <laughs> what do you have first? What do you want to go with first? Um, well, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I have a story today, by the way, that I think is absolutely built for the Truth Bait podcast. It is really the kind of story I had in mind uh, when this show was envisioned. Um, And now that I'm sort of teeing it up, I think we should go with it. Uh, okay. Did you hear about the so-called New York City bike, Karen? No, except from you. This was a story that uh, it happened. It's ha- it happened a few weeks ago, and we could have covered it sooner. But back when it was being driven around the mainstream, uh, I felt like a it was oversaturated already so we didn't need to cover it then and i could tell that this was the kind of story where we needed to wait 
<laughs> we needed to wait to see what the truth was going to be behind the insane headlines that were flying around. So the just to give you a bit of background, uh, Sarah Jane Comrie, who is a physician's assistant in New York City at Bellevue Hospital, she had just worked a 12-hour shift, and she leaves on her way. I guess she she uses her her app for her city bike. You know, she the city bike program is the shared bike program there, the commie bike program. And in Chicago, it's called Divi. Yes. <laughs> did you know what Divi? Did you know Divi is a slang in uh, England for for idiot? Is that right? Yep. So everybody on their idiot bikes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, she used her. She she she's uh, in New York, so they're not. They're apparently smart enough to not call themselves idiots. <laughs> uh, and she used her app to order the bike. She's six months pregnant, so she specifically was looking for an e-bike. And at the end of a twelve-hour shift, I guess you know she that's it's a commodity for her. She wants you know she's willing to spend the extra to get the e-bike. And. Uh, so she reserved it and she gets to the bike rack and, uh, she ends up in an altercation at the bike rack. I'm going to play a tiny bit of the video that emerged. I'm not going to play a lot of it because it's, it's going to be hard to tell what's going on, uh, with just the audio, but, but let me, let me play this and you'll get a feeling for it. So as the video opens, uh, she is, she's this, you know, short little white girl who's on the bike. She's in her nurse's outfit and, uh, so, she, and she's on the bike. They're at the rack and, uh, a, all you see is a black guy's arm holding the bike by the neck, essentially. Um, and, uh, uh, she is calling out for help because it, it would seem at first blush, they're trying to take her bike. Has she agreed to being called she? Uh, uh, I don't know. I am totally just assuming because of her hair, makeup, breasts, and hips, <laughs> and, and, and voice, and facial features, and appearance, outward appearance. Okay. So. Well, that's sexist, I guess. But that's fine. We need a show policy. <laughs> I think I'm going with she. So here she is. I mean, if you're because you're judging her by her looks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't even know if she identifies as white, but there she is, white. All right. Well, I hope she doesn't sue us. I, I, the racial component is, is actually important because she's a white woman, and this altercation is between her and four young black men. And so this has a whole... Uh, just wait. You'll see where I'm going with this. Please help okay. me! Help! Please get off me! Wait, what the What's going on, bro? Please get off Yo, don't nah. take it, bro. Now you're not getting the bike, bro. Hey, now you're not getting the bike, bro. Help! Help! Why you took his phone? What's wrong with you? Don't touch his phone. Do not touch his phone. I'm not touching. She says you're hurting my fetus. Okay, so it's a back and forth between them over this bike, and she eventually gets off the bike, and he takes the bike. Um, 
And this video was, you know, posted by a, actually, I think it was, it was first propagated by a Twitter, uh, somebody on Twitter by the handle imposter. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Imposter edits, imposter underscore edits. This guy appears to be Antifa. And he posted this because, yeah, it's just another New York City Karen to bag on. And then the media found it and ran with it. Please help me. Yeah, what a scene outside Bellevue. A hospital worker trying to take a city bike from a young man who appears to have gotten the bike first on his account. The confrontation grew quickly between the white hospital employee and young black men just getting ready for a bike ride. The woman yelling help and the men say pretending to try to get attention. Eyewitness News reporter Kimberly Richardson has more. So let's break that down for just a second. <laughs> and, you know, in, I know you were being tongue-in-cheek, but notice how she doesn't uh, have any problem labeling her a white woman. I guess somehow she knows without, without inquiring. Um, the anchor on this newscast is black, black woman, and the reporter that they're going to uh, toss to is also uh, black. And... Uh, if you listen to what she says, it's really quite amazing because all she's working off of is the video, the viral video. There's no other details available. And listen again to what she says. Please help me. Yeah, what a scene outside Bellevue. A hospital worker trying to take a city bike. How does she know that? Actually, it looks the other way around from the video. The woman is on the bike and the black kid has his hand on the neck of the bike he's not on the bike so who's trying to take the bike away from who well obviously she right. is she from- just got on it already wait, oh wait <laughs> wait no it, it turns out that, that there's an even more dramatic reason for it remember she's six months pregnant but we'll get to that um, a young man who appears to have gotten the bike first on his account the confrontation grew quickly but it, it appears to have gotten it first on his account She's got no evidence of that. There is no evidence of that, and I'll, and I'll show you. I'll, I'll explain to you why. Between the white hospital employee and young black men just getting ready for a bike ride, the woman yelling help, and the men say pretending to try to get attention. Eyewitness News reporter Kimberly Richardson has more. So it's one black woman is the anchor. They're going to toss to another black woman. This whole segment is designed to throw this woman under the bus. So, <laughs> but since when did she just get to be a hospital worker? I thought she was. They were frontline heroes. heroes. I know. No, no, no. <laughs> That's all gone. Because Jeremy, we are this story. At the end of the day, is the oppression Olympics on display. <laughs> this is who is the most oppressed wins. That's how you know you're going to find out who is the who's the most privileged. You can tell from this news account the privilege is all to these four black men, all of it. it. She's got no details because as all the details come out over the next week, she is everything she says is proven wrong. Everything. Wow. Okay, so that's the opening. They toss to the reporter in the field, and it's a shot of the reporter holding a phone up to some random black guy in the street and playing the video for him and getting his reaction. And it's just, wow. I would just use reporter Kimberly Richardson has more. 
Wow. The clash between what appears to be a Bellevue hospital worker and a group of young men over a city bike unfolded over the weekend here at this docking station in Kipps Bay. When the video starts, the woman is repeatedly yelling, help me, help me. It's unclear why. At one point, she snatches one of the stranger's cell phones and says, quote, you're hurting my fetus, my unborn child. She eventually steps away. Jack Kelly tells me the entire ordeal is out of character for the woman who is his neighbor and good friend. Now, this is the one area of this report where they give and where they have anything to say about her that contravenes the narrative. They, they sneak it in, they drop it in right in the middle and then go right back to trashing her. Listen, he says she is pregnant. I think they've blown this out of proportion very much out of proportion but at the same time she should have just stepped off that bike and left them but as far as prejudice or anything no many say it reminds them of those heated moments between a bird watcher and a woman walking her dog in central park so they just they go right from a clip of a guy saying no she is not prejudiced to it reminds <laughs> people of the last time we had a story about a woman we said was very prejudiced <laughs> they bird watching it's, it this is abc7 local in new york in 2020 tommy calls the chain of events outright dangerous kind of shows the level of like oh the entitlement that like oh i need to have this right now we the the six-month pregnant woman nurse after a 12-hour shift who rented the bike is entitled so they don't they don't know nobody they're just all assuming that she is trying to steal the bike period that's the Where assumption. Where does she get That's off the feeling privilege. entitled, having reserved and paid the, for but, that? But they don't know that. They don't know. Nobody at this point knows that she has reserved the bike. A receipt does surface eventually, but nobody at this point knows. This is where I'm saying. What you have here is the oppression Olympics on display. And I'm sorry, people who think that this is a systemically racist country, right there you've got these four young black men are on the gold metal pedestal for the oppression Olympics. They get the absolute immediate benefit of the doubt. This woman who is six months pregnant and was, is a frontline worker in any other segment that this news organization would put out is a piece of garbage. She, all of her cred is gone. That's, that is where real privilege is in our country and in our culture. It is not with white America. Maybe, you know, it certainly used to be. Uh, and we were, I think that the country was trying to move away from having any kind of privilege like that. Uh, and that now clearly, and, and you know, what's really amazing. This is all just BS. This is just a corporate, a corporation that's really about class warfare that is happy to stoke racial conflict. Uh, the, 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 the wealthiest owners of ABC seven aren't living near any black people that are going to have any kind of give the, are going to take any of their bikes, which they don't have. They've got chauffeurs. He did reach out to the woman, but have not yet heard back. Bellevue is reviewing the matter in a statement, says in part, quote, it is committed to providing the highest level of care with dignity, cultural sensitivity, and compassion. We've all been in the hospitals. They serve all over New York City. Do you really want that type of person? If you're coming in hurt, do you want them serving you? I think it's just a bad look. Wow. That was just a local <laughs> resident in the area. <laughs> wow. Now, when they said that they reached out to her for comment, but she didn't respond. 
You know, I've worked in media long enough. I'm suspicious that part of the reason that this was so slanted against her was because she didn't give comment. And you know when they they threaten you, when they call for comment, they threaten you. They say, well, I mean, we're just going to only have to run with their side of the story. Yeah, or they just sent an email to her and ran the story before she responded. Yeah. They didn't because they I'm never really that wanted is, well, her that's, response. It's, that's a different tactic, which is because they don't want the response. I'm saying when they get angry because they want the response and you deny them, then they get petty. Then they then they look to burn you. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, <laughs> she had a receipt <laughs> proving that she had rented the bike. It was her bike. She's on the bike. She is what it appears. And there's, I, I'm I'm now going to play. Uh, from YouTube, Nate the Lawyer. Nate the Lawyer uh, is the only person I found anywhere in media that actually looked through this with a really keen eye and dissected exactly what transpired here. Let me let me begin to play Nate, and you're gonna we'll get to the details of uh, what happened and what it means. The Karenicity is unbelievable. Put- oh yeah, these are the. <laughs> let me play some of the. <laughs> first up is. <laughs> <laughs> the Karenicity. Wow. Could you believe like- could, I've never heard that term. Oh, yeah. Could, you, that, could you imagine you? if you use like the, to describe, you know, shootings in Chicago, like, you know, or, or you know, like something uh, something negative involving a black person, like the 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 Kareemanosity, yeah, the, the Kareemosity. The, the Tyrellinicity. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's absolutely, it's so disgusting. Uh, disgusting to women and to- uh, to white women, although black women can be Karens too, I suppose. Have you heard Maybe that term before? I've never heard that. I've never heard that term before. I'm not Karenosity is new. That was uh, uh, Doctor Rashad Ritchie on <laughs> okay. on uh, the, the Young Turks. The Karenicity is unbelievable. Put up the picture. We got her name, where she works, her boss. I want to remind you of a couple of things that happened in this video. Yeah, so by the way, they doxed her. We have her name, where she works, wow. her boss. They did this was before the receipt surfaced. This was just they had the video. Obviously, it is telling, right? You know, she said, and I quote, You are hurting my fetus, my unborn child. Did you all hear that part? She, this is where he mansplains to her. <laughs> I didn't realize a man was allowed to have any opinion about a fetus. Hmm. Well, not usually. You can when the uh, the person who can have can, who you can carry can, a fetus when the per, when the front hole person that can carry a fetus you, uh, you can is have up one if you're supp- ranks them. If you're supporting the woman's right to kill the fetus. Yes, then you can have an opinion about the fetus. You are allowed to have an opinion about it, yes. She said that. Why did she say that? Because that bolsters her argument to do what she's attempting to do. She. This was a diabolical plan. She got pregnant so that she could attack black men on their bikes. <laughs> diabolical. It's theft under any other circumstance. We will call this attempted theft if the black male went up to the white female who paid for her opportunity to utilize the device and he decided to grab it and try to take it. We will call that clearly attempted theft. So let's 
call it as it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're going to want an allegedly in front of that or a reportedly Dr. Richie. Otherwise, you and uh, the Young Turks are going to need to clear your schedules for, <laughs> to, to meet with attorneys because she is going to come after them uh, in a very significant way. You can hear them constantly saying, this is not your bike, this is not your bike. But so this is, again, this is Nate the lawyer, and he is going to take you through what happened. That's not accurate. It is her bike because it's 724, the light is on, the bike is undocked, and she has the receipt to show that the bike is on her account at that time. So they know, based on them using the bike, based on them having memberships, that this bike is hers and is on her account at this time. Help! You may have just missed it, but he's just pushed the bike back into the bike rack to reset the bike to take it off her account. So that's why he had his hand on the neck of the bike, because she had scanned it out. And she had taken it off the rack. And when the video starts, the light on the bike is on and her ride has begun. So at the beginning of the video, it, the, she's on the bike. It's in her possession. And he, it, it, I'm inferring this from what it must, from what has, the details that are known. He must have come up and put his hand on the bike and wanted to re-rack it so that he could put it on his account. And there's a reason for this, and it is because he and his buddies, they had been riding these bikes all day long, but the program that they're in, they have to re-rack the bikes every 45 minutes, or they get charged by the minute. So this is very common. They'll ride around, they'll find another rack, they'll rack it for a few minutes, then they'll rent it out again, and they'll take it on their way. And then every 45 minutes, this repeats. And so when she rented the bike on her app, which showed as available because it was racked and available, she rented it, and that got in their way. They, to them, these entitled brats, they decided, nope, 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 nope. We called it. We called this bike. This is our bike. We've been using it all day. And what you're going to hear is that there are a number of people that are completely willing to roll with that explanation. And you actually hear it. I'll rewind it so you can hear it again. Yeah, this is, the, again, the sound of him re-racking the bike while she's on it. We had a lot happen there. He pushes the bike back to reset the bike. She grabs his phone and then look at the light on the bike. The light is out, meaning that now the bike is reset and anyone can scan this bike to use it. I do stop. No, I do stop. Now, so many people miss this, but this teen right here who has his own e-bike gets off his e-bike, tells his friend, hey, just give her the e-bike, give her the e-bike. And at the end of this video, you're going to see he actually gives up his own e-bike to the nurse. So all these young men weren't sitting there trying to take the bike from this woman. There's one or two young men here who are saying, hey, just give her the bike, give her the bike. And again, this guy, as you'll see later in the video, actually does that. Yeah, he's right. But there's only one of them that is saying give the bike. So there's one of them that is not a brat. <laughs> one, of them has, one of them is actually employable. Uh, the other ones still have work. Uh, uh, here's a little bit more from Nate. Now, listen to the difference in the way Dr. Richard Ritchie is reporting on the story now because he knows that he's facing a defamation lawsuit because he said this woman has committed crimes. So let me contextualize this properly, okay? Uh, naturally, <laughs> we reported on a viral video as the facts were presented at that time. 
By the time we reported on this video, well, there was no actual statement yet from the other side. The hospital had a statement at that time, and they were troubled by what they saw as well. So were we. Now, if if this is true, which confirmation is still pending, still trying to find the individuals who are part of this narrative on the other side. If it is true, it does prove, in my opinion, that Ms. Comrie had a good faith belief that she, in fact, had a right to the bike. But that doesn't mean the young man did not. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> oh, it just turns out they both had a right to the same bike at the same time. It doesn't mean they did not have a good faith belief that the bike was not hers. That part of the story is important too. Yeah, especially I mean, once they re-racked it. Right. They they had a good faith I mean, reason what, to believe. Yeah, that they re-racked the bike was re-racked. It's it is just complete insanity. Help me, help me. When there's a conflict over a bicycle um, in the middle of the street, and there's a young black male next to you. That could be a very dangerous situation for something that's basically a civil dispute. Now, even here, he has to stretch the facts. Wait a minute. What did he just say? <laughs> he, so he's now changing it to this was never about uh, whether or not she stole the bike, which, I mean, that's exactly what he said verbatim in his first broadcast was that she stole the bike. Let's just call it what it is. Now he's saying that she put their lives in danger by calling out for help, a young pregnant woman calling out for help against four black men on the street over a bike, which should be a civil matter. So she is still the oppressor, and these four kids are still the oppressed. No matter what the story, that's the filter. So it's the oppression. Wait, so he's Olympics. saying. So he's saying. He said there was a dangerous situation. Here, listen again. Yelling, help me, help me, when there's a conflict over a bicycle um, in the middle of the street and there's a young black male next to you, that could be a very dangerous situation for something that's basically a civil dispute. Now, even here, he has to stretch the facts because he needs you to believe that these men were victims in some way. And and Nate is, my hat's off to Nate, he gets it. They, that is exactly what is happening here. No matter what the facts are, the narrative is what's important. Four but black so- kids are the victims. This white woman cannot be the victim, period. Just understand the premise that he's operating under is if you ever yell help. Around a black person. When there's somebody black around. They could get killed. You're... You're creating a dangerous situation for that person. Well, that's why they say don't call the police. They don't like it when people call the police for that very reason. And and I would just point out to people what's going on in this story. This is the same dynamic as black people can't be racist against white people. It's impossible because of the power dynamic. That, that is, This is just a cousin to that. This is the next wave of that, which is that... Black people can't be the victimizers of white people. White people well, they are can't always be, yeah, they, the, the are, are never the victim. You can't be a victim of a black person if they you're white. Can't commit a crime, evidently. Right. That's. I mean, 
so the it's the same school of thought. People may think that sounds crazy, but just give it a few years because that is where this is going. Chris is Yahoo News. Look at their headline. White women caught on video trying to steal black youth's bike in New York City. This- yeah, Yahoo, you better have your attorneys on the line. I, they, they probably already have their settlement check written because that's indefensible. There was no. Qu- I hope she sues them for a billion dollars. <laughs> they don't have a billion dollars anymore. It's Yahoo. <laughs> There's no allegedly. This is this is a statement of fact. This is why she should be suing Yahoo News. Here's the Independent. They even deleted a, their whole article. New York health worker placed on leave after falsely accusing his black man of stealing bike. Yeah. So everybody, they learned nothing from Nick Sandman, who was the young kid in Washington, D.C. a number of years ago out in front of the Lincoln Memorial, who was there with a group of school friends. They were waiting for a school bus to pick them up. And it was during a, uh, there was some protest going on. And weren't they at the March for Life? And this was a counter protest at March for Life. And it was was like after, it was like afterwards. Right. They were waiting for the bus to take them home. And I think this, they were at the link outside, like the Lincoln Monument or or one of those monuments right. there. Yeah, and and a a group of leftist protesters led by a somebody claiming to be a Native American or dressed as a Native American, maybe it was a Native American, I don't know, came up and started playing his war drum right in this kid's face. And the kid, all the kid was guilty of was not moving, not letting this guy intimidate him. He just stood there, stood his ground, never said anything, never was rude, never did anything. And the media jumped all over it from just a short little video clip and decided immediately, white kid guilty. Well, that's what was so racist about it was that he just stood there thinking that he could just stand there there quietly well this was they learned nothing from that he sued them and got hundreds of millions of dollars although i think some of the cases were dismissed unfortunately or reversed uh but he that was a a brutal lesson should have been a brutal lesson from the media and they learned nothing they it's unbelievable uh so all of these facts come out i have one more clip to play you and then i just have i just have a comment to wrap this up uh, even after all of this comes out, everybody knows what the truth is here. Uh, the kids, the, 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 the black kid who had his hand on the bike, his sister posts a video to TikTok because I guess she wants to be a part of the lawsuit too. The only reason why Sarah Jane Comrie was able to produce this receipt for this bicycle is because she jumped over this young man standing right here who had his hands on the handlebars, jumped over him, impaled herself on his bike, and scans the QR code to begin the ride. She d- six months pregnant, she jumped over the black kid, <laughs> impaled herself on the bike, whipped out her phone and scanned the bike. Okay. How did all of this happen, you- and how do I... What's that? You're starting to see why... They're Divi bikes in Chicago. <laughs> they need to rename these Divi bikes in New York, too. Yeah, it's called Get a Car or a Bus Pass. Well, you're not going to do that in New York. And you can't you ride can the train in pass. New York anymore. You can get a bus pass. And everyone at ABC7 who covered this story is taking a town car. How did all of this happen? And how do I know what happened? Because that young man is my little brother. 
these gentlemen gentlemen these boys did not steal this bike from sarah jane comrie she stole the bike from them and now she's got a lawsuit i'm sure then proceeded to weaponize her whiteness then proceeded to weaponize her whiteness jeremy listen to the privilege coming from this woman and if i'm not mistaken these are first generation immigrants well i just hope they take away her status as hero well, you're you're As getting to my hold on. You're jumping hero. the gun. Hang on. <laughs> she stole the bike from them, then be, proceeded to weaponize her whiteness. The initial ride where my brother rid, rode the bike all the way over to the this bike dock ended at seven nineteen p.m. She's admitting that her brother racked the bike at seven nineteen p.m. Sarah Jane Comrie walked up to them. Sarah Jane Comrie asked them if they can use the bike. They said no. Sarah Jane Comrie sees that the bike is docked, gets up, scans the QR code, jumps onto the bike, starts screaming for help and fake crying so that she can get an electric city bike. There were a number of bikes at the bike rack already there when she arrived. She still proceeded to try to take the bike from my brother. All of the other bikes were not e-bikes. They were regular bikes. So... That's just a bit incorrect. The only other e-bikes they were all sitting on, <laughs> uh, quasi-reserving. Docks it at 7.19 p.m., picks it back up 7.25 p.m. So there she is admitting she doesn't, she's so stupid, she doesn't even realize she just incriminated her brother. <laughs> she, this girl had a receipt. He docked it at 7.19. She has a receipt for it at 7.24 and this woman is so entitled and ignorant that she thinks that that the facts she's saying gives him the entitlement to the bike. It's it is astounding. I bet you she's uh, uh, summa cum laude in some public university in New York somewhere. While she's screaming for help, 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 make trying to make it seem like these boys stole this bike from her. The bike is on my brother's account. It is not defamation. Of character if the way that you behave reflected your character it is not defamation if it's true and she just sealed her own fate in the lawsuit <laughs> lawyers are falling all over themselves to sue this woman on her behalf she sounds like harvard material right sarah jane comrie you did behave like a karen that's true there's no way around that. Well, you would be okay if you were only claiming she behaved like a Karen, because that would be opinion. But you are hosed for saying that she stole that bike. Now, okay, so we've gone through all of this. You now know the, the ins and outs of the story. You know the truth of it. Jeremy, and this is a trick question, who's the good guy? Who is the bad guy? Well, obviously... She's the bad guy. You're half right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's the bad guy. Yes, they're both the bad guy. <laughs> In the microcosm of this story, yes, she was right. They were wrong. In the macrocosm, this is just, again, Oppression Olympics. In, she's trying to pull privilege on them, too. She is trying to pull her female privilege and her pregnant privilege on them. 
she she does use fake tears. She pretends to cry. In any other situation, she would be pulling the same rank privilege against a white guy and winning in the media. So I kind of feel like, yeah, okay, she's in the right. I don't think any of them are good guys. I think they're all players in the same disgusting identity politics game. Hmm. And that's the truth behind the click. I just want to make sure that if people out there who have heard of this story, who think, oh, yeah, she was vindicated, she's the good guy. You're right, she was vindicated. That does not make her the good guy. She was... I, I want to know what she was doing during COVID. Was she a frontline hero that was getting people intubated? I'd like to know. I'd like to little, know a little bit more about her before I declare her the hero. Because she she had a lot of her own privilege on display. This was They were weaponizing their privilege against each other. Well, I hope anybody listening understands that anytime they find themselves in a big city, with these rental bikes laying around, avoid them. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a divvy. And that was the uh, the story of the so-called Citibank Karen. Well, that really makes me miss living in the city. I, I remember when they brought those bikes in in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And put uh, how many bike stores? It was out of a business? twenty million dollars. It was like a. Tw- it was a. It kicked off with like a twenty-two million dollar deal. They bought the bikes from a company in Oregon. With no, that, and, and it, it was well. Maybe that's where they bought them. Divi was out of Canada. Is that right? Yeah. I thought they were Oregonian. Divi was out of Canada. Okay, <laughs> it was a Canadian so, yeah, company. 20, $20 million uh, for the bikes and they put them all downtown and then they had to get uh, people would rent the bikes and like take them down to the beach or the park and then they would nobody would you know they would people would just get drunk at the beach so then they take a cab home and leave the bikes at the beach <laughs> nobody would ever take the bike back downtown so all the bike traffic was going like in single directions right, there's a, there are vans that so take they had to get a van and redistribute them. that's right <laughs> right they had to get so they had to get vans to go around to pick up all the bikes so it's very offensive it is it is the government using taxpayer dollars to compete directly against private enterprise all so many bike stores you know small guy bike stores are gone they're gone uh, the, and that's I think that then they had to call them divvy bikes was really just a a slap in the face. It was like they did it on purpose. Right. Go, right, because stupid, Canadians, they would know they would know about that you slang. Stupid people. Here are your idiot bikes that we just oh, got. Oh, I never thought million about the Jeremy. Yeah, you're the, right. That is intentional. Why would they call it? Divvy. I wrote about this back Well, because in the everybody day was divvying up the ownership of the bikes. That's the, it's, you know. But I think you're uh, right. I think given that it, if it was an American company, I would feel differently. But because it's Canadian and they have the connection to the crown, I'm going to guess they knew exactly what they were doing when they went with that. Yeah. 
For sure. No question. Although, I don't know. Hold on a second. I'm going to... Because that may be too conspiratorial, even for me. <laughs> they do have to exist up in Canada. <laughs> they, they look like idiots, too, not just the people riding on the bikes. Um, anyway. Yeah, I wrote about it. Actually, I see the post on Gateway Pundit now. <laughs> Divvy. According to Urban Dictionary, Divvy, the name of Chicago's new bike sharing program, means idiot. <laughs> I like fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The mayor's name should be Divvy. And everyone who speaking voted for of, him should be called Divvy. Uh, speaking of Chicago, there was an uproar. Couple uproars. Did you did you see this town meeting or whatever? This uh city council meeting? Everybody's upset. In where? In Chicago? About, yeah. About the illegal aliens. Are those wait wait wait? Is this the one where it's the uh, the rich white people in Lincoln Park who are upset? No, in fact, guess whose picture I saw on the front of the paper? Mark Carter, Paul McKinley. <laughs> I knew it was one of the two of them. <laughs> he he was there. He he was there. And in the media coverage of it, that I I got a clip of it. They talk about like you know the the people like uh, you know the uproar in the crowd and they show a picture of Paul yelling in the middle of the room, but they don't, they won't show anything he says. They won't play anything he says. They're just yeah, using was, That's, that's blackface. That's journalistic blackface. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at this hostile black man in the crowd. Um, yeah, I got it. This was, uh, will he clip that was, and frame it? couple days ago yeah <laughs> will he clip that and frame it i, I mean it's still your picture in the paper he's, <laughs> he's been in the paper enough times i don't think uh i don't think he cares that much but he did send it to me let's see there's the 51 million going that's going to last us only to the end of next month and what happens july 1st when we're broke again Frustration boiled over during a fiery city council meeting as residents and aldermen disagreed on how taxpayer dollars should be used when it comes to migrants. Ultimately, $51 million in funding was approved. I just have to make the point. They're not migrants. If you come across the border illegally, you're an illegal alien. You're not a migrant. They're still migrants. They're still migrants. No. They're still migrating. <laughs> illegally. Yeah, but they're, so they're illegal migrants. They're still migrants. I, I just I hate that everybody has just given into the language that there's no difference between somebody who crosses the Rio Grande with a with an infant on, uh, held above their head and climbs up the embankment into the arms of of uh, border patrol is somehow the same as somebody who's actually comes through this through a border checkpoint and claims it's not asylum. The same. It's not the same. No one's saying it's the same. These migrants are doing something much more virtuous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. To help Sorry care for asylum seekers in our city. Casey Cronus says the story now from City Hall. Passed in a 34 to 13 vote. That money will go toward housing, food, and other resources for new arrivals. But the decision did not come without contentious debate. So $51 million dollars they voted on uh, to spend on these things. And then here's the contentious debate. The bottom line is um, 
We're a sanctuary city. We've been bragging about it forever. We did nothing to prepare for it. Since last August. <laughs> We're a sanctuary city. We've been bragging about it forever. We did nothing to prepare uh, for it. There's some hard truth there. <laughs> More than 8,000 migrants have been dropped off in Chicago from the Texas border, with shelters and respite sites overrun. Families have been living on the floor in police stations. This is unacceptable. But those opposed to a massive budget amendment are questioning how the city can suddenly come up with so much money for new visitors when local communities remain neglected and homeless individuals are sleeping on the streets. How dare this mayor and city council have the guts to give migrants $51 million. During the city council meeting, the public weighed in. We have not gotten anything for our community. And we are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Enough is enough. And I voted for you, Brandon. With tensions running high, <laughs> well? arguments and interruptions were frequent. I've seen that lady before. We filmed her leading uh, one of the Black Lives Matter parades down on Michigan Avenue. Um, if only the community could have seen this coming. Right? Well, some of them did, like Paul right. and his friends. Right. I mean, he was on our show talking about it, and he... Yeah, he's always he's always been talking about this. That's one of the things that when I started working with him, he was showing me. He used to drive me around to all the construction sites where uh, they were supposed to be employing people from the neighborhoods, and they were bussing in uh, illegal aliens from the suburbs to work on the construction jobs, construction sites in their community. They've been redoing um, all the streets. In the neighborhoods in Chicago, you know, part of the Agenda 2030 where they're building out all the curbs and the bike lanes and they're reducing traffic flow to make it less desirable to own a car. Uh, no, no, I don't no, see no, very no. That's many perpetual road construction. No, I know, but this is but there, but there's a strategy <laughs> though to narrow all the roads. There's a strategy to make it difficult for car owners because I think see, I agree. I thought that, but now I think the strategy is just perpetual road construction. Well, I think that's that's which that's actually what causes way more traffic. That's what enables it to happen, though. It's because that they sell it as the ability to fund that perpetual uh, no, construction. Like, where do we want to so, hurt the economy the most let's fix the roads there uh, uh we'll shut them down for six but years. i don't see very many black people working those crews i see a lot of hispanics working those crews what are you saying i'm saying something's something's fishy i'm saying that they are must have 100 all illegal of all the aliens are hispanic i don't know i have no idea if the people working on those crews are alien or if they are actual legal immigrants legal residents or, or american citizens i don't know i'm just saying there might be migrants they could just be migrants. Um, I would think that migrants, for, what does that mean? Migrants, you should be migrating through then up to Canada. If you're coming here Maybe. to work, there should be a system for that. This is insane. So anyways, uh, uh, so there's, no, I'll tell you what's insane. I think of these people are right. They're These people right, are but, rightfully angry, but listen. Yeah, but they did this to themselves, Jeremy. Well, many of them did, absolutely, especially this one who sits and says, I voted for you, Brandon. Okay, well, then you are pretty dumb. But, but, but $51 million. 
That's the part where Paul's screaming in the middle of the room. I would ask that you would do it with some level of decorum. I believe that... So, so he wants decorum. Brandon wants decorum. Then. We can have public discourse without demonstrating the worst part of our debates. That $51 million covers the remainder of a projected $102 million that it will cost the city to care for migrants through the end of June. With the <laughs> through the end of through June. Through the end of June. <laughs> wow. I, wait, wait, wait. But this should all pay for itself. These people are all taxpayers. $51 million through the end of June. Yep. One month. Hey, man, brother. More, please. I say bring more of them. I'm living in Chicago. Bring more. I want more. I I am tired of people uh, who have been committed leftists voting for the left over and over and over again, uh, escaping the ramifications of their choices. It is time to pile on the ramifications until they can't take it any longer. No, we can't afford it. Yeah, guess what? We can't afford not having it. We're not going to be able to afford anything anyway. It doesn't matter. So we might as well shove what they've been voting for down their throats. And I don't, I'm not talking about black people. I'm talking about everyone, this entire disgusting city. I don't want it. I don't want it. Negative feeling about I, everybody. But. I, don't, I don't want, I don't want DeSantis. And I don't want, uh, what's his name, Abbott down in Texas, assisting Jeremy. with the invasion of our Jeremy, country. Jeremy, the invasion's already happened. These people enabled it. And the one thing they don't seem to want to suffer is any ramifications from it. And you seem to want to help them not suffer the ramifications of their own decisions. How are they I'm going to learn to- if they don't suffer from these stupid choices? Chicago is too close to my house to support this. Yeah, no, I don't want them. No, I want them. Bring them on, baby. Bring oh, them you on. Pay. It's, you pay for I it. I am going to pay you, for it. I'm paying for it no matter what, Jeremy. The city's broke. <laughs> and it's broke because of the decisions that these lunatics in this city have voted for over and over and over again. The only thing that is going to teach them is pain. That's it. And again, I'm not talking about the black community here. I'm really thinking more of the white community because I really hold the white community far more responsible for this communist disaster that's unfolded. Mm. I want the people of Chicago to get what they've been voting for. In spades. Overdose on consequences. It won't matter. They won't Mm. learn. Well, and then you can get these black people who are victims, get them to move down south and be uh, uh, converted conservatives. Are you suggesting that they leave? I'm, they should flee. Any smart black ah, person would flee, flee Chicago. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I see. I'm I'm one of those racists. I want black people to live. I want black babies born, and I want them all to be able to own guns. I'm one of those rare racists that is just like looking to empower them. So yeah, I think get out of Chicago and stop voting communist. So that's going on. You want to hear what's happening in Oakland? They've got remorse as well. <laughs> They're having. Oh, you know what though? Before we go to Oakland, though, we probably should money, money, tell money, people how it is we do business here. 
that's why I was saying, how are you going to pay for it? <laughs> oh, well, I need you to text me that <laughs> on the back end and let me know you're trying to nudge me. <laughs> I'm, I'm too excited about the topic to hear what you're saying, Jeremy. <laughs> Sorry. <I know. laughs> Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we do not have corporate sponsors here on the Truth Bait Podcast because that is absolutely impossible to have if you're ever going to have a broadcast that tells the truth. When you have corporate sponsors, you have to be very careful what you say because you're constantly afraid of losing those corporate sponsors. That is why we have citizen sponsors. And Jeremy, I have confirmation for you. We have a bank account. It has happened. No, wait, wait, wait. No way. That's the wrong sound effect. That's the one I wanted. So, not this episode, but... Oh, how do I... I need to stop that. Okay. Um, That was mine. That was yours? That was my audience. Oh, I can't stop that then. No wonder I was looking confused. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so not we don't have it ready for this episode, but for the next episode, we are going to have a mechanism by which we are going to be able to accept cash donations. Well, I hope everyone's been saving their shekels up. You should have plenty of boycott money uh, from not buying beer or anything at Target. At $10 an episode, (laughs) everybody listening owes us $300. So far. So far. 310, I guess, after today. Look, not everybody can give money. That's why we ask for people's support any way they can. Some people can support financially, and we ask if that's the way you can return value to the podcast. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast and you think that what we are doing here is valuable to you and you want to return value to us, that's how we keep it going. If you can do so financially, that's terrific. But there are other ways. Writing us, letting us know what you think, sending us story ideas. Um, I was sent something today that I'm going to be looking at uh, for our next episode, and it came from uh, Bev in Florida, Mama Bear Bev. Uh, said, check out Rahm Emanuel's pushing LGBTQ in Japan. Not going over too well. <laughs> so th- I, that piques my interest. Expect a segment on that coming up on Tuesday. And that is, that's, that's real value. Uh, I didn't yeah, have to go find that sure. story. You just saved me a bunch of time. I'm going to go uh, find some clips and dig into it, go down the rabbit hole and, and, and bring it up for discussion. So that's a, those are ways to return value. Uh, are you uh, are you an expert in a field that we've been discussing? That is value. We need your input. Write us at truththetruthbait.com because that is real value that you can bring to the podcast. Absolutely. Sharing the show, commenting, emailing us, uh, finding or forwarding on stories that you think are good that fit with what we like to talk about. A lot of times it's uh, news-related Sometimes uh, stories can be funny. Doesn't everything doesn't have to be uh, serious? Like the world's going to end tomorrow because of the Marxists. I mean, we get a lot of that, but you know, sometimes we can use some some things to lighten the mood. So the main thing is people participating. We want to talk about the things that you're and and cover the things that you're interested in. Uh, hearing about or talking about going over it's going to make it better for everybody if it's a if it's a you know a community driven effort here otherwise you just hear what me and marcus want to talk about and sometimes that can get tedious even for us so 
Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Share the show. Go and rate the show. We asked at the beginning, but we'll ask again. Please go rate the show. Leave a comment. Only rate the show if you're going to give it five stars, which why would you give it anything less? And only comment publicly about the show if you're going to praise the show. Um, and in fact, if you would like, we can write some praiseworthy comments for you, and you can just borrow any of them and, and post those as well. This is all acceptable. Now, in addition to praise, though, we also enjoy criticism. I love being criticized because it helps me improve what I am doing. Do you think, Do you know, I think I laugh too much. I think I find way too much humor. <laughs> Sometimes I'm listening and I'm like, why am I laughing at that? That's not even funny. But genuinely in the moment, I'm finding, I'm amused by what I'm talking about. So I don't know. But nobody's ever made that complaint. That's your own complaint about yourself. See, and now maybe that needs to be the complaint is that I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking too much. And you're too critical. You're too, <laughs> too self-critical. <laughs> so at any rate, please, uh, that there are a number of ways to contribute. Next week, I'm very excited to announce we will be able to begin accepting cash donations. And uh, we will have to make, those people are going to become executive producers. And that's where we're going to really begin to make credits available on IMDB for each episode uh, and listing our executive producers as uh, 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 people who help make the show on IMDB. I've spent a considerable amount of money on equipment to produce this show. Uh, you and I are executive producers by default okay. of every episode. I just want to make sure. Yes. All right. Um, okay. Well, do you have anything else for that? Oh, well, I have more Chicago. It's different. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I did. I, that's okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. No, that's, that's all right, because we got that out of the way. And um, Oh, did anybody the, get the secret word? Yes, Chris L. in Delavan uh, gets a lifetime supply of horse paste. <laughs> Very good. Congratulations. Uh, so, Chris, if COVID returns or something else returns, uh, in which horse paste will save your life, uh, we will make good on that. Oh, wait. And real make quick. Make sure you get it. Before I move on, um, hold on a second. I wanted to read... This comment from Al in Joliet. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and there was another one. Yesterday's show was great! Exclamation mark. An email to the Truth Bait address is to come, and Jeremy touched on something critical. If you so choose, perhaps asking producer GPT what the definition of mansplaining is, then ask producer GPT to define womansplaining might yield some comment worthy responses. You know, and I, I went and I did that. And uh, just long story short, yeah, mansplaining is a thing. And womansplaining is also a thing, but it's not quite as common as mansplaining. And besides mansplaining, uh, men deserve that label, is the gist of what producer GPT has to say. <laughs> okay, so producer GPT knows what's up. Yep. Uh, Dan King, Janesville, Wisconsin, you asked him to uh, write you back. In the last show, you asked, Andrew, you asked in your last podcast if I would be in favor of draconian measures. We were talking about um, Captain Ron Deep State DeSantis and his uh, his position early on during COVID and how he seemed to embrace authoritarian lockdowns 
early on. And of course we acknowledged that he was one of the first to get rid of those. But um he Dan Dan thought you were we were a little unfair in uh in that and and you asked if he would favor draconian measures for a more serious, you know, uh virus. Right. He was saying like that, that you know, they they locked down early on when we didn't know what the what the real potential danger of the virus was and right. that he opened up once they realized that it wasn't dangerous. And so my question was, well, does that mean that it would have been okay to be closed down if it had been dangerous? Should we have lost our right. constitutional rights then? Right. So Dan says only in the most extreme circumstances. If people were dropping dead in the streets, like the videos coming out of China and New York City um, that were fake, in anything short of that, then the sick should quarantine themselves and take care of themselves. The well should keep living. I am obviously not a wordsmith. Thanks for putting up with me. Stay baited, Danny. Thank you, Danny, for engaging on this. I have a response. And it is just that if the situation was that critical, you wouldn't need to suspend our rights. Everyone would be naturally just staying away anyway. People will react accordingly if it is genuinely that dangerous. You won't have to lay down any law. You know, that's a great point. And... um, it's funny because I set because I, I I when you think back and you think back to how things went down when when the stuff started happening like I we we were like my family like we were we were staying in we weren't going out <laughs> I was I we, was going to the grocery stores and, and to the airport and no, documenting. We were I was taking video. We, and- <laughs> no, we were yelling. We were yelling at my father-in-law. Stay in. What are you doing going to Walmart? Because he was disobeying. Well, he wait, your father-in-law, how old is he? The the elder the people who were vulnerable should definitely have been taking precautions. He he's like eighty. Yeah, I think, now. I think that's reasonable. So at the time, he no, but we we're yeah. So we're like, what are you doing? You can't just go in, go into Walmart. So the thing is, is the propaganda had gotten to us, and so we're like, yeah, we're gone. Like we we were making what seemed to be a smart decision to lay low for a but while. You didn't need a law to tell you to do. Well, that's that. my point. Yeah. That's my point, which is the point you just made. Is is, is you're saying that if things were were are that bad. People will self-regulate. We don't Correct. need to be put on to lockdown. And I'm just, I'm agreeing and saying, yeah, in fact, even even I, who, who definitely came to, uh, I only patronized businesses that didn't require masks and uh, things like that. Once we kind of woke up to what was going on, but at the, in the very beginning, that's exactly what we did. We we laid low. We we avoided going out in public. Um, so I think you're right. I think that that's what what a lot of people would do. And Danny, Except I want to like my father-in-law who have no concern for anybody's health. <laughs> that's so selfish. <laughs> I, I want. I want. I have one other bone of contention with with Danny. 
I, you seem quite wordsmithy to me. I'm not a wordsmith. You hear me stammer all the time. So I, I think you're doing great. We are not. You say, thanks for putting up with me. We're not putting up with you at all. You're putting up with us. We love you, Danny. Thank you so much for being a part of this community and interacting with us in this way. It makes the show better. And it makes what we're doing better and hopefully more rewarding for you. It makes it more rewarding yeah. for us. And I think your new name for the show should be Wordsmith Danny. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Wordsmith Danny. Thank you. All right. Now, let's back to Chicago. Yes. Uh, Chicago violence is raging out of control uh, over Memorial Day weekend. Did you know that? Were you there? Uh, yes, I, I uh, stayed in. <laughs> because any, it's a, it, my house is a bullets, safe space. <laughs> any bullets whiz through your living no, room? No, it, 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 it's more, look, it really is mostly calm in general, but there's no question that there's also absolute random insanity happening in in high-profile areas. There was, the, the what was absolutely nuts was the shoot. they opened up the beaches at North Avenue Beach, uh, which is right in between uh, Lincoln Park and the Gold Coast. It's right in the center of town. You, 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 the only way to get more center is to go down to Oak Street Beach, which is just the next beach over. And uh, they just opened it up for, for the weekend. And within an hour, I think, there was this there was a melee and a shooting. And then that spilled over into Lincoln Park. And there was footage that went around. I don't know if you have this clip where it's a police car drives directly through a park where there's a, like a kid's soccer game, a little kid's soccer game going on. They drive right onto the field, basically. They could have easily killed a kid chasing these lunatics i'm not making a judgment as to whether or not they should have chased them i'm just saying that's what happened uh, it's mayhem Isn't, it's total mayhem and chaos that's why they need more cameras because then they wouldn't have to chase them they could just have cameras record every move mm -hmm. did you have the clip i don't have the clip. i don't no no no. i did not catch that all right well i'll get to the news and it's more report. visual than anything else so it's hard to cap it's hard to pull a clip like that uh, i think this was chicago nbc i'm not can't remember for sure, but they're all the same. W. Jan's Courtney Spinelli live tonight at City Hall with more. Courtney. Yeah, good evening, Mike and Ray. On the heels of the deadliest Memorial Day weekend the city has seen in eight years, Chicago's top cop and the city's mayor are talking about what we saw and the steps that are being taken right now to reduce violence. We're all grieving together today. I want to acknowledge the people we lost to senseless gun violence this weekend and those who will forever live with the trauma of gun violence. City leaders addressing a violent holiday weekend after 53 people were shot, including 11 killed. Another person was stabbed to death. What we saw this weekend was a manifestation of community disinvestment, poverty, trauma that our city has struggled. That's Brandon Johnson, your mayor. So the neighborhood where, these, where the shootings happened, those are not... about to say it. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this about the neighborhood. Far too long. Police say the victims of the weekend violence range from just two years old to 77. Mayor Brandon Johnson acknowledging that one of the people killed over the weekend was on the block where he lives with his wife and three children. He's <laughs> on his own block. Mm -hmm. Well, he lives in a rough part of town. Does he? Yeah. I think he's over, oh, I well think then... he's over in Austin. Oh, so he's legit. Yeah, he is. He, he, he did that for, you know, it was good political positioning. Yeah, might not be good 
physical positioning. But again, this is this is they have to make sure to always frame who is the victim, who is the victimizer. Even though this happened in the middle of a park, and these uh, uh, shooters, these gang members, I, I think allegedly were running through the park and being chased by police, it's a traumatizing thing to happen in your community. Your community is the one who's been traumatized, not the gangbangers. I mean, I'm sure the gangbangers have had their share of trauma, but not in this case. That's not what you highlight. This is all part of, again, I'm saying, and I'm a broken record, every single story can be put through the prism of who's got who's got the victim cred, who, who in the Impression Olympics. That's the way the narrative has to be told. For the record, gangbanger is hate speech. To whom? Well, to the speech police. And violence continues to impact the community that I'm raising my family in, the Austin neighborhood. 64-year-old Arnell Smith is being held without bail in that case, accused of hitting a 41-year-old woman with a baseball bat and using broken pieces of pottery to stab her. Just FYI, everyone, it's a slightly graphic report here from the news. That's awful. He allegedly tied her hands up using a phone charger, wrapped her body in a comforter, and dragged her to the back alley of his home, attempting to put her body in a dumpster before leaving her on the ground in the alley. Court documents show the medical examiner noted he had never seen so many injuries to a person. Amidst the pain and trauma of this weekend's violence, there was also courage and collaboration among business, philanthropy, and community. Johnson spent the week at various events geared toward keeping Chicago streets safe. He reiterated Wednesday his top priority is to increase peace and safety while collaborating with community partners and police who say they're looking at what works and what they can work to improve. We're taking what we've learned from the past and even this past weekend and analyzing data to better deploy resources. Interim Superintendent Fred Waller saying the department adjusted resources in real time to tend to the needs of the neighborhoods. Johnson crediting the department for its, quote, nimbleness after changes have been made to adapt to what the city has seen. We've got to make some adjustments. It, it, it'll be a little painful for some of the officers, but we've got to make those adjustments, and we will. Waller also talking about efforts to reduce gun violence through enforcement actions like gun recoveries and arrests. This weekend alone, 152 guns were taken off the street. While we can't predict what we could have happened for these with these guns, we can be sure that taking these guns off the street will save lives. Waller and Johnson both recognizing the efforts to make Chicago safer are underway and say it will take everyone being involved. We as a city will keep working at this every single day until we build a safer Chicago. I didn't realize this so. actually this story was good news. It was good that these shootings happened because it brought the community together. It gave them a lot of extra data and showed how nimble the police are. <laughs> this is a feel good story. I I was looking at yeah. 50 plus people being shot this weekend as, well, plus as a negative. You had the re you had the reassurance from Mayor Brandon Johnson that uh, they're going to keep working on this forever until it's solved. <laughs> They've really <laughs> got it all under control. <laughs> Did you hear that? The, Did, it, I, I, I missed that. Play, I, can you play it again? I heard that this yeah, last, just that last bit from him. Recognizing here. the efforts to make Chicago safer are underway and say it will take everyone being involved. We as a city will keep working at this every single day until we build a safer Chicago.
<laughs> every so, single day. Okay. Every single day in perpetuity, we will always work on this until we have a safer Chicago, which will probably never happen. No, not on the, not on this current uh, path. Again, this is all very predictable. Except there's bright hope from billionaires. They were talking in that report about working with the community and business leaders and different types of people. And so now there's some billionaires. Uh, I guess they've seen enough violence. They're getting involved in trying to solve the problem. Late to the party, uh, but we now are here and we're willing to um, really invest in ways that will make Chicago safer. Uh, not just on the south and west sides, but throughout the entire city. A major announcement from one of the heaviest hitters in Chicago's business community. Billionaire James Crown is leading an ambitious new crusade to drastically reduce violence in Chicago. Anthony Pulse joins us live with more on this plan. Anthony. This is Fox Chicago. Corey and Don, if a billionaire sets a goal, logic would tell you, right, that it has a very good chance of being achieved. So to that end, James Crown, one of Chicago's billionaires, says it is now his goal to make Chicago the safest big city in America. When it comes to homicides, Chicago's stats aren't good. Almost 700 last year and more than 800 the year before. Well, now a group of Chicago business leaders led by billionaire James Crown have unveiled a plan to cut homicides to less than 400, which hasn't happened since 1965. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> so the billionaires are coming to make chicago one of the safest cities again by cutting the murders from 400 from seven or 800 to 400 400, well 400 is safe jeremy yeah 400 especially if it's it's mostly black people you know murdering each other that's that we just want to get back to black people only killing each other right so I thought that was... They're the uh, ones... They're going to pay for all the cameras. They're going to pay for the surveillance. They're going to pay for all of it. And they're going to own the city. This was a, This has been a giant shakedown uh, to destroy the value of the city so that these people could swoop in and own it all. So, uh, that's not all. This isn't, you know, sort of the, the cure-all solution for public safety in Chicago, but it's recognition that business... That business community has to do its part. Robert Boyk represents the Civic Committee of the Commercial Club of Chicago, which includes some of the city's wealthiest and most influential business people. It's planned to bring the annual number of homicides below 400 by 2028, includes five commitments, scaling community violence intervention programs, providing jobs for the participants in those programs, enhancing policing and criminal justice reforms, hiring more broadly from the south and west sides of Chicago, and investing directly in those communities. If we really want the city to be safer, we have to be a part of the solution. Um, And that involves us opening up our doors in perhaps some non-traditional ways um, to include individuals who 
um, need stable jobs to break the cycle of generational poverty. Oh, Jeremy, you Jeremy, pri- Jeremy, this is absolutely perfect. They're onto something, and there is a an awesomely new open property that Walmart just used to have on the southwest side. Yeah, right. That they were burned out of and looted out of, and and uh, have finally given up on. There's a Whole Foods down in that neighborhood that just abandoned that neighborhood. So lots, lots of new places are opening up, but yeah, it really is just a matter of corporations not pulling their weight, not doing their part. So, there. To me, this is all blah 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 yep. blah lip service. Yep. But I just thought it was amazing to hear about the reduction they're seeking from seven or eight hundred to four hundred, and then overall, time reduction strategy come from the business community, and the civic committee's plan not only draws on the deep pockets and job creation abilities of its members, but also seems to approach the gun violence problem with an eye toward consultant-like efficiency. We want there to be one plan for public safety in the city of Chicago, that's been lacking. We want there to be one plan where everyone has their role to play and we have to hold each other accountable for playing our roles. Now, longer term, the Civic Committee's goal is to reduce Chicago's annual homicides to fewer than 200 per year. 200, they're gonna get to 200 homicides per year. What year would that take us back to? Yeah, 400 was uh, back in 19, what did they say, 1965? So out of one side of our mouths, we're going to propagate uh, an entire culture that tells you that this country is systemically racist and that uh, we are completely fatally flawed and need to go to communism. And out of the other side of our mouths, we're going to build up the city and make it the safest it can be by investing in these communities who you've just told live in the most racist country that's ever existed and there's no hope for them. It's interesting too, though, that like typically, right, it's like buckle up, like, you know, one life lost is too many. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Everything is like COVID, like keep your safe six feet and wear mask up. You know, one life lost is too many. We got to prove if we if if we have to lock down an entire country and take away all of your freedoms to save just one life, it's worth it to do so. But in here, we're just going to. Get, get, down from, <laughs> get, get down to two hundred, get down to two a year. We'll get down to just a, a couple hundred a year, and we'll be one of the safest cities in America, and it'll just be fine and dandy. No more than two hundred children left behind. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice it's, place. <laughs> wow. So sorry I left. <sighs> well, so. yeah. They, they, they have. Uh, so this is what I was going to tell you before. They also have buyer's remorse in Oakland. Did you see this? No. (laughs) In Oakland, apparently they don't like getting what they have voted for over and over and over and over again. And now they're beginning to rebel. This is a... Basically, just a, a string of, of angry white liberals, uh, angry at their white liberalism. I understand it comes from a place of hurt, generally when people are being violent. On some level, in some form, it's coming from a place of hurt. Sure, but if they're doing hundreds of gunpoint robberies, mostly to women... <laughs> If you did it to some men, too, <laughs> that would be okay. So this is at an Oakland uh, uh, open meeting, a public meeting. And uh, just to paint the picture for you, this is it seems to me to be a transvestite 
who is uh, a man uh, who is now living as a woman. Looks like he's got breast implants too. So he's no, really going dressing all the way. Dressing. He's pretending to be. He's, he's, yeah, pretending. Well, I mean, because once you have the implants, you're more than just dressing. That's internal dressing. That's you're you're well, full. You're you're living the full fantasy. I still don't think you can live as a woman. Well, this this guy without. Uh, no, he's living like a woman. The, he's right. The uh, but if you didn't hear his voice or see his hands or sort of like the facial bones, you might you this person would pass almost. I can't see the lower body, but I, I'm just saying this is like th- this is not like hi, my name is Linda and I'm here to complain. No, this is <laughs> this is. Can I just say <laughs> I hope you never go as Linda? <laughs> I now I have to. <laughs> <laughs> To people of all races, where I have lived in poverty. And again, it's like, it's okay if they would just attack some men and some white people. She's basically asking them to attack white men. That's really what e. she's doing. All races. E. Where I. Right, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've been pretty good so far. Mostly to women, to people of all races, where I have lived in poverty my whole life. It makes it hard for us to keep jobs, to find jobs, to live life, to fight through mental health issues, to fight through our poverty. And it's not just one demographic of women, it's all kinds of women being targeted. This guy is clearly like, uh, uh, apparently, (laughs) let me rephrase that, apparently is overdosed on estrogen because the tears are just flowing. I think every, I'm betting like, I'm betting when, when he orders lunch, this is the same emotional state. Can't I just get a turkey with light mayo? Why does it have to be regular mayo? Uh, it's I shouldn't be laughing. Um, it's hard not to. I'm la- I'm laughing that, 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 that these people are, don't they're not making the connection how this ended up ha- how this happened to them they they voted right. for all of this it, this is systemic well, i almost i'm sorry gosh i almost sound like him <laughs> <laughs> i'm like I, i'm like did they do that that's what they do this is systemic violence <laughs> as well. Oh, man. I sound too close to him. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now here's another one who's complaining. This is a this is an elderly white woman. And as a person who's mentally deranged is living ten feet from the door of my business, who has threatened me multiple times, who has threatened other people, who defecates on our property, on our business. So she's complaining. She has a business. Uh, it's a Taekwondo business uh, in a storefront, and there is a one particular homeless person who has just it just lives outside her store and is a total nuisance to her and everyone that walks into the shop. And I'm being told by Macro that they can't do anything. I'm being told by the police that there's got to be something in the middle. Because as women have said, I don't want to have to get threatened with sexual violence when I go to work. I don't want my children to see this as a normal behavior from an individual on the street. That they get, he's been naked, he's in front of them, he's urinated in front of them. It's in, and there's nothing I'm told the police can do. So your policy of not enforcing some of this 
150 feet from a school, 50 feet from a residence or business. That policy has a direct effect on Yeah. I can imagine it's very difficult for you. Who did you vote for? Here's another one. I just want to turn to the audience and ask them who here has been assaulted, held up, or beat up. Just raise your hand. And this is unbelievable. Easily half the people in the room raise their hands. Now, that probably is a motivating factor for why they're at the meeting in the first place, because before their real-life decisions began to have impact on their uh, fantasy existence, uh, they weren't motivated to come to one of these meetings. Mm -hmm. That's pretty sad. Okay. I have been held up in front of my house. Oakland is out of control with the crime. We're all fed up because of you and your policies and these policies criminals. They're coddled. Okay, she's upset because they're coddled. Wait until she hear what she says next. This blew me away. You need to start telling people to stop having kids or have them if they're ready for them. She wants to go full eugenic on them. Her wow. answer to out-of-control leftism is... Total radical leftism. Stop people from having kids. You need to start telling people to stop having kids. And by people, I think we know what she means. Yeah. <laughs> poor people. <laughs> she doesn't want poor people to have kids. Or have them yeah. if they're ready for them. And of course, in their neighborhoods, the poor people are all black. So <laughs> you if can make that ready. connection too. How do we know if they're ready? Do they have a test? <laughs> Maybe they could have a test, like a birth test. Maybe they could have a license. They have like a birthing license. <laughs> a birthing a license. Okay. Right. Like when you want to have a baby, you will go apply if well, you're responsible enough eugenics. to do that. That's eugenics. These people, can they can be eugenic so quickly. They... And they blame the right for the Nazi party. These are the Nazis waiting to happen. Because I see kids that are not being taken care of. They're not led by their own parents. And she's right. Therefore, they have, therefore they have no right to exist. Exactly. <laughs> Look, you know that the left part of their plan is is abort. You know, hey, you can cut down on crime in Chicago. You can cut that murder rate down if you just abort enough black babies. Yeah, because, you know, the black community, they're killing themselves at, at tremendous rates. Certainly, if you have less black babies, there'd be less of them to kill each other. We'll save <sighs> black people by killing black babies. Um, and then I saw there was a uh, I saw a meme that uh, right, right at the same time that, that accompanied uh, this story that was so perfect. Uh, it, it's a. You know the the image of that hand the, this the the line drawing of the non-player character the NPC it's like that uh, it's like a white uh, a white character with you know a black outline and uh, it's like it, 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 in the first frame he's wearing a mask and it says fire anyone who disobeys mandates you know it's supposed to be like a, oh yeah I know what you're talking and about. then in the next one it says 
it, it's he it, it's the NPC with a blue mohawk and a Molotov cocktail. It says fiery but mostly peaceful protests. And then in the next frame, it's the same character, but with uh, with the power fists reflected in their glasses. And it says defund the police equity now. And in the last frame, it's just like he's re- it's a regular person. You know, it, the NPC just looks regular. And it says, why is crime out of control? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah. Well, as an American listening to my fellow Americans, my heart goes out to them. I don't want my fellow Americans living this way. It's why we advocate for a different approach to life. But since they're so th- adamant about this this course that they've set themselves on, I have to admit, I do experience, I don't want to say joy. Schadenfreude. I'm not, it's not, Schadenfreude you know, I know, but it's is not, the term. I'm not taking joy. It's not joy. But yeah, you're not There's supposed to. Even the Bible though. warns against it, but it is. It's schadenfreude. Yeah, I have I mean, it all the time. It's like when I see bad news happening in Chicago, I'm like, <laughs> well, see, I'm you not know, feeling that way. I got, I got out. I got out. I was smarter, but I'm not supposed to feel that uh, way. It's unbiblical to feel that way. Well, no, way. but there's a part of me that feels like, you know what? You deserve this. You deserve this. And, and, and hopefully, and you I asked hope they for it. You wanted it. Right. I hope because they, they didn't. They, because they believed. They believed that it wasn't going to be like this. They believed that it was going to be divvy bikes and unicorns. Yeah, well, they and everything they was going to be nice. That. They still believe that. They think that this right. is there's there, there's do. just something wrong with it. their utopian approach. That's not utopia is still obtainable. Well, because they're still living in the bondage of our oppressive patriarchy. They want to go back to the old crime bill <laughs> where they can they can be progressive and 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 lock everybody up in fact that's i mean that's really the lesson their utopia doesn't exist unless they can lock everybody up yeah well wouldn't it be nice uh, uh since i mentioned abortion yeah, here's this is what uh, I, this clip from this is from Planned Parenthood. This is up on their YouTube channel. Are you ready? You ready for this? Know. You're not ready for this. You're not ready. <laughs> Nobody's ready for this. I don't know. Yeah, this is the Lucky Abortion. Hi, my name is Lucky. I've had an abortion, and I get gender affirming care from Planned Parenthood. Do you have any questions right there, just from that? <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> Her name is Lucky. <laughs> so, it's it is, is a is, woman is, who has Lucky who's on, is a woman, yeah, who is on hormones and has mutilated herself by removing her breasts and has now had an abortion. That's how much of a man she is. Okay. I wound up in a very, very difficult relationship, and with. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> what relationship is not going to be difficult for Lucky? <laughs> okay? <laughs> she has mutilated herself. She thinks she's a man. Yeah. Lunch is difficult for Lucky. 
I wound up in a very, very difficult relationship. And within three months, I found out that I was pregnant. I was like, oh no. My abortion was one of the greatest acts of compassion. It is getting pregnant transphobic? Her pregnancy was transphobic. Her fetus was transphobic. I mean, this is, it's an argument a lot of pro-death people make, is, is that it's somehow some compassionate decision. At the same time, it sounds like, what is she arguing? Why? Is it because, because it sounds like she's going to, it sounds to me so far like the argument is that that child would have been born into a pretty difficult life. Oh, I mean, yeah, it would have been inconvenient for her. For her? Absolutely. But she said it was an act of compassion, right? Well, here, let's listen to more. I had ever committed. It wasn't easy. Let's see. I had ever. Greatest acts of compassion I had ever committed. Yeah. One of the greatest acts of compassion. I had ever committed. Wow, I'm scared to hear what else she's done. <laughs> that that's the most compassionate <laughs> that thing was compassionate. she's done. Yeah. Wow. It was an easy decision. And it-, it was an easy decision. This is Planned Parenthood propagating this. Remember, it, they used to claim that they wanted it safe, legal, and rare. Now it's an easy decision to be celebrated by by so-called men. And it was a decision that. For the friends I had told I was trans, they were like, get it. You know, that's fine. Like, great. You know? Her friends who she told was trans, she was trans, they were cheering her to get an abortion. You know, that's your decision. You want to finally begin your life. And it was just one of the best decisions I had ever made. Ever in my life. Yeah, well, you also chose to remove your breasts. So, you know, your decision-making capabilities are in question. I wish that more people understood that abortion is healthcare, plain and simple. It's important to talk about abortion in a healthcare setting because I think that when we don't, we see abortion as this very, very uncommon, isolated thing and it's not. It needs to be shared and it needs to be out there, just like any other thing that people go through. I tell my abortion story because people need to understand that it's not just a women's rights issue, it is a people's rights issue. Wait a minute. Yep. See, that's what I was wondering, and this whole thing, it's very sad, just that, that this person is so messed up. Um, and has been and, encouraged and I don't want to make light of it. Up. Like, yeah, and I don't want to make light of it. Our and culture I know it's like, encourages it. And I don't want to joke about it. It's, it's sick. But like here now, I'm wondering like how how do you make that decision? Is it did she did she make that decision as herself or as her as himself? <laughs> right. Well, some men apparently do get a position on abortion. Right. We just talked about that a little while ago. Yep. Yeah. You get to 
Well, I guess that was the answer, right? You do. A man does get to have a voice on the issue. A man can have an abortion. She's apparently a man who had an abortion. It's it's nuts. I was hoping James O'Keefe would have some sort of undercover video or Lila Rose like calling up Planned Parenthood, asking like as a as a transvestite, like asking for abortion services. That would be impossible for them to provide. Right. But they'll still make the appointment. Right. Like somebody call, like someone that's a man call up and say that they identify as a woman and they need to get an abortion and then see, just to see how Planned Parenthood responds to that. Or, Or you say, I think I'm pregnant because I haven't gotten my period. Ugh. All right, We're getting, that's too gross. <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah. It, anyways, it's, it's uh, yeah. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> let's move yeah. on to anything else. What else do you have? Whales. What do you have? Moral, moral whales. Oh, is this the orcas that are ramming boats? Yeah, yeah. The boat ramming orcas. Have you seen it? Yes. There's. They're like. They're trying to take out sailboats and around Spain. Yeah, they're fed it's up. Also They've had it. Yeah. A sunset sail off the coast of Spain, disrupted by killer whales, also known as orcas, slamming themselves into this 66-foot sailboat. The pot of orcas destroying the rudder, piercing the hull, water rushing on board. One sailor calling it quite terrifying. The crew doing their best to scare the orcas away and to pump water off the boat. It's part of a wave of orca attacks, at least three boats sinking in recent weeks. Researchers saying orca encounters in the area have been increasing since 2020. More than 20 interactions recorded just this month. Last year, 207. Then I have, uh, so that's kind of sets it up. And then there's, uh, you know, the wildlife guy. Um, I think they say his name. He's like an animal planet guy, like Jeff Cor- Corbin or somebody like that. Mm. He's on here yeah. giving his opinion of Avier. why. These are incredibly intelligent creatures. They learn, they adapt, they discover, and they change their behaviors. They also have all the emotions that human beings would have. They have joy, they have fear, they have malevolence. They're incredibly complex social creatures. And in this case, Gotti, is what we're seeing is a very novel learned behavior. But the question is, why are they attacking these ships, these sailing vessels? And I mean, when you start thinking about what's going on, it almost paints this picture of at some point, some orca or the orcas decided that this could have been a threat and then they had to communicate it's either the same pod or they had to communicate that with other orcas uh, for this to be going on in different places is there a chance that this is all the same pod the same orcas or does it seem like it's happening uh, with orcas that may be outside of, uh, of a family unit well this is li- likely a, what we call a residential pod a residential extended family group. And this is a a behavior just like human beings is through trial and error. It's through learning and through discovery. And what is likely is one orca 
is teaching another orca, likely a mother teaching its calf, this behavior. Now, there's two theories to why this is happening. One theory is that it's out of being rambunctiousness, uh, playful behavior. Of course, they're very powerful and there can be devastating consequences for that playful behavior. But the other is that it's because of a traumatic event. There's one female mm -hmm. orca in particular. And the theory is, one theory is that maybe she was injured. She had this traumatic event and now she takes a sailboat as a threat and she's taught this defensive than offensive behavior to other members of her pod. So the so he's got those two theories, and then there's why why this is happening. I guess it's been, and I looked back, and it looks like it's been going on for a long time. It's not something exactly new, but evidently it's happening lately. Uh, it's happening frequently, and uh, so Young Turks was talking about it. <laughs> the the, the science experts over at Young Turks, Chenk, and uh, they've had a lot to know, say like, about animals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had to bounce well, an entire segment off this show because of the things they have yeah. to say about animals. <laughs> yeah, this, well, this one is just uh, it hit, hit the, their view is. I just think it was hilarious. Humanity and killer whales. Um, so let's talk about what's really going on here. So over the past few years, sailors um, in the Strait of Gib Gibraltar um, have had more and more interactions with these orcas. And the interactions have not been so great. Um, and the potential reason behind the encounters suggests that the whales might be out for vengeance over what could have been a traumatic incident involving an orca and a boat. But first, some details. So reports of aggressive encounters with orcas off the Iberian coast began in May of 2020 and are becoming more frequent according to a study published in June of 2022. Assaults seem to be mainly directed at sailing boats and follow a clear pattern with orcas approaching from the stern to strike the rudder then losing interest once they have successfully stopped the boat. Guys, okay, let's just pause and appreciate how incredible that is for a moment. 100%. Right? As soon as they stop the rudder, they're like, we're good. <laughs> so listen to Chank, why. Chank is excited. Chank is a whale, by the way. Yeah, listen to why Chank says that, that the whale is doing this. And they go away. Yeah, by the way, think about how much more decent they are than us. Because one of the theories is that the original orca got struck by a boat. The other theory is that she got trapped in a fishing net. An right? illegal fishing operation. In an illegal fishing operation. Yeah. Imagine the fear in her heart as she's struggling to get out of there. Oh my and God. she might have gotten out of there by hitting the rudder, okay? Mm. And that way the boat is stuck. So she then teaches that to the other orcas. But they're quote unquote killer whales, but they don't kill the humans. They don't knock the boat over and eat them, which they could, right? They just disable the boats so they can't do any harm to the whales, and then they move on, thereby making them, in our lingo, a thousand times more moral than we are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the whales have figured out how to immobilize the boat peacefully by not and not kill the humans 
<laughs> other than the fact that they're mobilized in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> that, other than that. <laughs> With the boats have sunk, by the way, three of the boats sank. Chank. <laughs> and, uh, but this is how much more moral the whales are than uh, wow. human beings because, you know, we just slaughter whales everywhere so, look one of the parts of the story is that people are amazed that they learn things like this um i love how arrogant humans are exactly she was just praising that <laughs> <laughs> what is she talking about right. she was just in awe <laughs> right <laughs> and then and yeah so by the way anytime an animal does something interesting you're an idiot because you didn't really understand the true right. nature of animals. <laughs> right. Here. Listen to listen to this. Exactly. What oh, we're we're the only intelligent beings on this planet, and you know we're so shocked when we see intelligence among other species. Yeah. Although orcas are, I mean, they're mammals. They're so, mammals. Yeah. And so, and they're among the uh, the smarter of the of the animal species. And look, guys, we're animals too. And so we happen to be more intelligent. Yeah, okay, Orca's never built a car, for example, right? <laughs> so we're separated by our ability to build a car, but nothing else. But it doesn't mean that all the other animals have no intelligence. That's absurd. And Who goes around saying no animals have intelligence? I mean, I know that there's there there are thoughts about what animals are able to do, Animals are different than humans. I believe humans are created in the image of God. Animals aren't. There's clearly a difference. But animals for for a long time have displayed certain examples of uh, intelligence or maybe, you know, not the same as us, but ability to, to problem solve, ability to... Well, they're, they're reinforcing their position as the arbiters of morality. They get to determine right. that these whales have more morality because they're the morality police. Right. Every time we see any sign of a decent-sized intelligence, we're always like, oh! Like the other day, we didn't get to the, the story uh, that, that we had By the way, that's exactly about- how I would react if there was any sign of intelligence on their show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so listen to this. He talks about a story they they didn't get to, and here on how uh, scientists have figured out that uh, chimpanzees also have a form of language. Uh, and now we know that they have some language in other animals, and it's not just chimpanzees too. But they're making sentences. That was the new revelation, right? So- sentences, he said. <laughs> so before we knew chimpanzees had basically calls to other chimpanzees to say things like danger, like oh, there's a snake here, danger. And they had a different call for come here, right? There might be fruit or food or whatever, right? But it turns out they can make a sentence and say, danger, come here. And and a couple of other animals can do that too. And everybody was like, oh my God. No, not oh my God, totally normal, right? (laughs) (laughs) Totally normal, it's totally normal. Hello, have you not seen animals just conversing left and right all the time? We just figured out. They figured out they can say certain things or have cert- or use sentences. And if you act surprised or impressed by that information, you're an idiot. You should have known they could do that. Mm. It's 
especially when you know that they have the ability to make moral decisions like only taking out a ship's rudder and not right. capsizing the ship and eating everybody. They had a meeting, actually. That was a strategy <laughs> that they all agreed on. Uh, does this mean whales can give consent? <sighs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if they're intelligent, then I think that clearly there is a there is a uh, a problem with the. What uh, I can't believe I was in the whale community. What I was surely expecting the reason to be was that whales have caught on to global warming. Right, and exactly. So they they're decided, trying to stop the boats. They're trying to stop the boats. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually trying to stop the. They call it a sail a sailboat. It's a yacht. Okay, these are yachts they're talking about. They yeah. are trying to they're actually trying to disable the yachts and not sink them because they're trying to use the yachts to block the the tankers. <laughs> that's really what the tactic is. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, well, look, the, the the young Turks are inappropriate with animals. They always have been. They're on the record. So Yeah, I'm not surprised. Well, that's all I have. Uh, this is we're giving people a full show today. Okay, we're not cutting it short. We're clearing the decks. This is a weekend show. You're gonna have a lot to listen to this weekend. Did you know that uh, there's a warrant out for Lindsey Graham's arrest? Poot. <laughs> oh, you you Putin ally. You're on Putin's side. You're collaborating. Russia has issued an arrest warrant for South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Russia's Interior Ministry issued the warrant over an edited online video of Graham's meeting with Ukraine's president. In the video, Senator Graham says, quote, the Russians are dying and the U.S. has, quote, never spent money so successfully, end quote. The comments appeared to be from different parts of the conversation, but were edited together online. Graham released a statement on the arrest warrant, saying in part, quote, I will wear the arrest warrant issued by Putin's corrupt and immoral government as a badge of honor. To know that my commitment to Ukraine has drawn the ire of Putin's regime brings me immense joy, end quote. Coincidentally, that's also what Trump says about uh, the American government. Yeah. Because they're going to swear out a, a warrant for his arrest too. Uh, here, this is from a tweet. I, from, I would, I would be okay with them arresting <laughs> Lindsey Graham. He's a warmonger. That is very clear from. The, I mean, the, the comment that he made, and, and so the 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 clip that went around was that he had made. You know, he was in Ukraine in a meeting with Zelensky, and uh, they're you know doing the little bit of it that's on camera. And he does. He makes this comment that uh, that Russians are dying, and it's the best money we've ever spent. Now, so here's the, the this was the clip that went viral. It was put out by Ukraine. Yes, and we will be. And the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. So that was their edit. This is a terrible video. The music is so loud you can barely hear what the what the people are saying. You, you, they need to pump more of the billions of dollars into the Ukrainian communications effort, but. You know, we're on four. Let's see. This is the most life possible. Yeah. I mean, it's just impossible to hear what he says. There was a time in America that we were this way. So, I don't know if you heard that last part. He says, there was a time in America when we were this way. And then they fade out. And I just want to make a point of it. There was a time in America that we were this way. So they faded out. And the reason that I have this is because... 
everybody was excited about the the part where he said Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent, and that is something to uh, to pay special attention to. Um, it is an edit. The comments were actually reversed, and the the one happened at the beginning of the conversation, and the other happened at the end of a conversation. But uh, and so some people are saying, well, that was taken out of context. It was not taken out of context. They even though it wasn't said exactly as it was presented, that was absolutely the gist of and the meaning of what McCain was saying. So you mean Graham McCain? Sorry, not McCain. Yeah, McCain's BFF. <laughs> You're gonna. There's a reason why I'm thinking McCain. He comes in. Uh, so uh, here is the full length clip that doesn't have the music attached to it. Thank you very much for Thank your you. coming. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks, United States people of the United States for all big support. President Biden, by Biden's yes. support, Congress, and really we thank you so much. Bipartisan support. Yes. And that's Lindsey Graham knocking on the table. Bipartisan support. It's very important. So we, no, he says unipartisan support. We appreciate for. I, uh, we know that for, from first days we have total support. It's about thirty-eight billion, and the. the, the Big, big support. Very important. The best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. No, it's, you know, we're on four, let's see, this is 457th day of a war that was supposed to last three days. Yeah. You amaze me. Your country amazes me. It's about our people. And about your people. Your people help, help our people. What appreciation. just... I mean, you remind me of our better selves in America. That there was a time in America that we were this way. Fighting to the last person. We're going to be free or die. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. Yes. But they came to our territory. Yeah. We are not fighting on their territory. So even Zelensky thinks that Graham is such a warmonger he has to hedge back hedge back against <laughs> yeah, right. his comments. That that's that was amazing to me. Uh but this notion that, you know, you remind me of our better selves. Is that the Azov battalion that reminds him of their better selves? This but to say to him that you're just like us, uh, you'll fight to the last man. So Lindsey Graham is definitely very happy to sacrifice. Oh yeah, every last Ukrainian. It, it's just very. He's gross. happy sacrificing Americans. He's a sicko. Uh, well, here's a flashback clip. Here's a. Uh, let me just say, there's more. Here's more. I admire the fact that you will fight for your homeland. Your fight is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. Our fight is not with the Russian people, but with Putin. Our promise to you is to take your cause to Washington, inform the American people of your bravery, and make the case against Putin to the world. That was in December of 2016 just before Trump's inaugural, long before Russia ever invaded Ukraine. Right before Ukraine helped 
with the J6 uh, overthrow. No, 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 because it's four, it was four years after that. This oh, is, that this was, is, this this is, is before, 2016. Yes. 20, yeah, okay. Yes. This was why they all freaked out when he had a phone call with Ukraine. They've been planning this war long before Trump ever came on the scene. Mm-hmm. Here's And here is uh, our friend, John McCain. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win, and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. And we have succeeded, not because of equipment, but because of your courage. So I thank you, and the world is watching. And the world is watching because we cannot allow Vladimir Putin to succeed here. Because if he succeeds here, he will succeed in other countries. So I just, I you know thought I'd play that so you can you know people can understand just how long this war has been planned. I just want to re- reiterate too, I hate Vladimir Putin. I think he's a murderer. I'm happy if this all leads to his toppling. I just think it's an incredibly dishonest and immoral path. Yeah, well... I can be against the war and hate Putin at the same time. Yeah, Putin's not a friend. No, um, he's an enemy. But I'm I'm anti-war. I'm, I'm code pink. Yeah, at this point, living through the last several decades, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with you. Uh, so... I'm not really code pink. You're getting there. You're already a Kennedy man. <laughs> I'm actually just really anti-war. <laughs> Code uh, Pink isn't really anti-war. Did you see the the Daily Wire uh, Twitter kerfuffle? No. So you remember the movie What Is a Woman? I have the trailer. You want to hear it? No, okay. I never watched it. All right, here's the trailer. <laughs> I've traveled all. Were you saying no? You hadn't watched it, or no? You don't want to see the trailer. No, I don't want to see the trailer. All right, here it is. I have traveled all over the world for the past year asking one simple question. What is a woman? What is a woman? What is it? What is it? I don't know. <laughs> People are laughing. Is that, is that a dumb question? <laughs> I've been asking everybody this, and almost nobody can answer it. What is a woman? What is a woman? That's a great question. If one person could tell me what a woman is. Congressman, thank you for, for being here. I think this interview is over. Let's turn off the cameras. I just wanted to know what is a woman. And you're not going to find out. It's not a complicated question. It's actually a very good documentary. I do recommend people see it. And right now it is... So there was... The kerfuffle was that this documentary was supposed to stream for free on Twitter. And then this happened. Okay, so the breaking news today is that Twitter canceled a deal with Daily Wire. Daily Wire and Twitter had a movie distribution deal for them to broadcast What is a Woman, which is a fantastic film, by the way, on Twitter. And then it would be broadcasted to everyone, etc. And then after reviewing the film, Twitter then said they're canceling it, uh, saying that somebody misgendered someone in the film, so therefore it's considered hate speech, etc. 
Um, Twitter then said uh, you could edit this part out uh, and then we might let you back on. Uh, Daily Wire said no. They said, well, how many of the people are going to see it if you throttle it? And then tw uh, Twitter actually said you will your own followers won't be able to see it. Uh, no one will be able to see it if you post it. So here's my open message to Elon Musk and Twitter. We've come to you because you've said that you were a free speech absolutist. So it cannot be argued that the LGBTQ, the trans movement, etc., is going down a dangerous, insidious path against our children, etc. If we can't debate those ideas on whether or not a man can be a woman or a woman can be a man on your platform, on Twitter, then where can we debate those ideas? You either are a free speech absolutist or you're not. And by censoring a counterpoint and a counter argument, you're doing the same thing as everybody else. We deserve an answer. That was Graham Allen on Twitter. Please, uh, sorry about that. And um, and then Elon Musk publicly reversed course, said that decision never should have been made. And the movie then aired on Twitter. It's really? on right now. Uh, I think it's probably about another eight hours left of it being free on Twitter. Wow! People should I'm people should watch it. It's a good movie. I'm surprised. Uh, well, I know what a woman is. I don't need to watch it. I'm surprised that uh, Elon Musk did that. With as many kids as you have, you definitely know what a woman is. <laughs> what is the chaos over there? What is it, what is it that's going on? And that on one hand, I'm thinking, gosh, maybe this was just the best publicity stunt ever. And I, that would be possible if I had, but for that, I have to believe that Twitter was willing to make itself look like idiots. Well, it's an easy thing. I mean, you, that he, you know, you could say that he's, he still has like a speech police department in there. Right. I mean, it, it definitely, so, something's still rotten in Denmark. Yeah. I mean, so it's an, it's an, and I, it does seem like it. I mean, look, they're, but he looks he's like a clearly, knight in shining armor. Right, but he, right, and he's clearly trying to position the company and the platform in a different way than it had been in the past, where it was really just you know people sitting around tweeting and sharing videos and clips and memes and stuff to go and have the DeSantis debacle. You know that was a bit. That was a move to, you know, take market share basically to get into the, you know, game of broadcasting big events, and then here, you know, this is a film that probably will get a lot of eyeballs on it, especially if they make it free and if they do some good promotion. So yeah, why wouldn't they? It seems like a perfect gimmick. Yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's great for now, I, if it's great for us. If Twitter can, becomes a point of distribution for films like this. We may be able to get to the just, get the Jim Hot film out. Isn't it? Yeah, I would put probably. that up on Twitter. I, you know, I mean, if we could get it done and get it up on Twitter, that's a point of distribution. Yeah, that would be. I great. I don't have any faith in it. I think it's just it's it's all rotten. Something not right. Either he just has no control over that company, or this was bogus. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's bogus. Right. He, I think, he's it, the I think it's armor, keeping right? it. Right. I think it's keep this thing going. And then you have this whole, there's still censorship at Twitter going on. And then Elon Musk says, no, there's not. And so everyone, everyone knows keep, the film was keeps, there. And it keeps building people's trust in him. They needed this to be a big, they need this to drive big numbers. And they right. got huge promotion out of this story. I'm mm-hmm. inclined with you to think this is, this was absolutely BS. They contrived this. Because it gave it publicity and it reinforces Musk as the hero to the First Amendment. Yeah. And you've all been so. played. There's the truth. Uh, real quick, let me do this story. This is, I told you, everybody's getting a full show today. Uh, you remember during the pandemic in Michigan, there was the story of the young black kid who was put in an elderly home. Uh, he had COVID. He was placed in an elderly home for quarantine, and he ended up beating this elderly man on video. He recorded himself beating this elderly man. Then the elderly man died a couple months later uh, from complications from the beating. Um, Well, there's been development in his case. A young man put in a local nursing home at the beginning of the pandemic physically assaults his elderly roommate. Well, two years later, we learned the criminal case was actually dismissed. Let's get right to Fox News. Randy Wimbley, he's live with reaction. Randy. So the case was dismissed. And, and what a soft sell on what happened. He physically assaulted him. Yeah, he did. He recorded savagely beating the guy over and over and over again. Direct blows fist after fist to the guy's face. So yeah, I guess he assaulted him, but I'm not sure that conveys what really happened. He did it and then he blasted it out on social media. Andy. Hey guys, the victim's family declined to comment. More on that in a moment. Jadon Hayden was deemed incompetent to stand trial. His father says he was diagnosed with autism as a child and schizophrenia years later. Thinking that my son, you know, could go to prison for, for many years, uh, that, just put more pressure on me but once once uh the case was dismissed uh it really lifted a lot of burden off my shoulders (laughs) okay well good for him i i couldn't believe that fox that was fox uh fox to detroit i just thought that was an incredibly strange comment for them to include that was like right at the front of their interview with this guy the man who recorded himself brutally beating 75-year-old Norman Bledsoe will not go to trial or face prison time, for now at least. The case against Jadon Hayden was dismissed in late April after the 22-year-old was deemed incompetent to stand trial. Bledsoe died at another nursing home two months after the attack. Marty Hayden is Jadon's father. He says his son suffers from schizophrenia and was living in a group home prior to the beating in May of 2020. Marty says Jadon was moved from the group home to a local hospital to receive mental health treatment. Once they found out he had COVID, they was more interested in trying to quarantine him somewhere. And that somewhere was the Westwood Nursing Center in Detroit where Hayden shared a room with Bledsoe. And they put him in a, a situation where they pretty much, they set him up for failure. So they took a young, healthy kid with COVID. And clearly, when I say healthy, I don't mean mentally healthy. He's clearly, he's, he's got enough problems. He's living in a group home. 
So he's, he does legitimately have serious issues. And they place him in an elderly home? That was their solution? That was murder. They murdered these elderly people. Did they, how many people did they murder with this COVID? In that group home where they didn't get any ivermectin, any, uh, uh, any steroids, any, any, any treatment that would actually work. So I guess the COVID wasn't killing this guy's roommate, so they, he killed the, he just he just beat him directly. It's unbelievable. And I, you know, I don't know how to feel about the fact that his charges were dismissed as long as he's institutionalized. You know, that, that's it's probably enough. And then once he's no longer insane, I hope they charge him. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, uh, it sounds like he's schizophrenic. He sounds like he's truly disturbed. The governor of Michigan is the one who is responsible for that. The governor of Michigan might as well have killed this old guy. It was her policies that put this disturbed young man into this room with this defenseless old man. They're just callous. Anyway, so then I have, uh, this is, I'm going to end it on a lighter note. Thank you. I hope it's a lighter note than last episode. No, this is a lighter, this is actually a genuinely a lighter note. It's, <laughs> it's still insane, <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's lighter. Jeremy, you've heard of mermaids, yes? You know what a mermaid is? Uh, yes. It's a fictional character, half woman, yes. half fish. Yes. Lives in the sea, always falls in love with some sailor. Yes. Uh, and then in real life, you have women that, you know, they're performers. They put on a, a, a like a mermaid uniform and they get in the water and they swim and it's a, a performance thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, not to be outdone, there are also mermen. This Taiwanese diver is living out his underwater dream as a merman. He started free diving two years ago and was introduced to mermaid diving by his coach. The activity is enjoyed by a relatively small community. Men are even rarer, with only 50 mermen across Taiwan. <laughs> it's only 50. 50. 50 mermen. There are 50 mermen. I can't believe there are 50 mermen in the world. <laughs> there are 50 of them in Taiwan. Sounds ripe for a Disney film. <laughs> oh, okay, so I'm going to translate what he says in this interview. He says, there are just too few men, mermen here. I saw there are many websites about male mermaids in other countries. They are manly, muscular, or even girly. They have it all. But here in Taiwan, everyone would think that only women could be mermaids. I think men could represent a different mermaid style. Despite its relative obscurity, Su got to show off his skills in Taiwan's first ever mermaiding competition. While he says it's difficult to turn mermaid diving into a career, he hopes to inspire others to take up the hobby. <laughs> and at the end of the story, they go to a shot of these people that are sitting poolside, and most of them are like, what am I looking at? They're laughing. They're like, they can't believe what they're seeing. 
it's difficult to make a living as a merman. You know what? It's a step in the right direction. This guy is not pretending to be a mermaid. He's not demanding that people pretend he's a woman. <laughs> he's a man. He's saying I'm a merman. I might hat tip to the guy. <laughs> That's <laughs> you go, dude. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I told you it was gonna be I was ending it. There was a lighter, lighter note. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> well that is the longest show we have had in a long time, I think. Yeah, it was a long one. It was a doozy. Solidly over two hours. A lot of content. Hopefully people felt there was a lot of value. Entertainment. <sighs> What's our secret word gonna be this month this week? This episode. Merman? I think could could be merman. All right, let's Secret go with merman. Code word is merman. What is the prize for getting that secret word? A uh, lifetime supply of fish heads. <laughs> lifetime supply <laughs> of fish scales. <laughs> He's the, the mermen are using the fish bottom, so all we have left are the heads. Wow. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Jeremy, for bringing the truth. Thank to you, the truth Mr. Podcast. Marcus. You are welcome. Uh, we are here every Tuesday and Friday without fail. To the best of our ability. Who are our executive producers today? Who are our producers? You and I are the executive producers. Executive producer Anne wanted the the whale story. Ah, there you go. She should do a she should do an album cover with the whale. Yeah. Um she's not busy. No. All, <laughs> yeah, not at all, not today. Nothing <laughs> going on here. And uh, we had good feedback from Dan in Janesville. Al Al and Juliet. Juliet. Yep. 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 Very good show. Thank you, everybody. Everybody keep sharing the show. Keep rating the show. Put some comments up. You notice we're up to 12 five-star ratings on Spotify. Oh, that is a bump up. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you to whoever did that. But now share the show. Don't be a merman. And now back into the sea of clickbait with us all. Are there mermen in the sea of clickbait? <laughs>